all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. Hello, Mississippi. I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo, and welcome to Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. Yep, it's just me and you today. You're the star of the show because it's open mic. Anything you want to talk about, we'll talk about it. And are you as confused as your doctors are about all these flu vaccines? Whoa! There's so many of them, it's hard to know what to do with them. We'll talk a little bit about that and any other questions you have. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, Or send us an email at southernremedy at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back after the news, but our lines are open right now, one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Jim Kane. Hillary Clinton's top campaign official says the FBI is investigating a hacking attack on his personal email account. NPR's Scott Horsley reports the investigation is focusing on Russia's involvement. Campaign chairman John Podesta says he spoke with the FBI over the weekend, and the bureau confirmed it's looking into the email hack as part of its broader investigation into cyber attacks on the Democratic National Committee and other political organizations. Podesta notes both the Director of National Intelligence and the Homeland Security Department have traced those attacks to the highest levels of the Russian government. I've been involved in politics for nearly five decades. This definitely is the first campaign in which I've had to tangle with Russian intelligence agencies. The stolen emails have provided a sometimes embarrassing window into internal campaign deliberations. Podesta says it's uncomfortable, but added he's pretty zen about it. Scott Horsley, NPR News, traveling with the Clinton campaign. Donald Trump is scheduled to hold a campaign rally in Ocala, Florida at this hour. A judge in Florida has extended that state's deadline for registering to vote through October 18th because of the disruption caused by Hurricane Matthew. In North Carolina, that hurricane caused 19 deaths. Rebecca Martinez from member station WUNC reports the state makes up for more than half the storm's national death toll. Two major interstates and many smaller roadways remain flooded as rivers continue to rise. Governor Pat McCrory said during a live stream press conference this morning that two more bodies had been found, a motorist and a pedestrian who had been missing since Sunday. Stay away from the water. Whether you're walking or riding in a car, do not get near the water. It will kill you. McCrory urged people to comply with local evacuation orders. Waters are expected to continue rising at least until the weekend. For NPR News, I'm Rebecca Martinez in Chapel Hill. Relief organizations are moving into Haiti to help that country's victims of Hurricane Matthew. From Haiti, NPR's Jason Bobian reports it's hard to get the help to the victims and for victims to get to the help. Many of these towns that were just really devastated by the storm are quite remote. They're far from roads. Trees have been blown across the road, so they're still inaccessible. And the ways that people are getting in and out is either by motorcycle or on foot. 
So many of these people who are injured actually aren't able to walk to get to somewhere where they might get, get some help. So we're still getting this, you know, trickle of people who have got puncture wounds, things like that, that happened during the hurricane, who are finally coming out and trying to get, get some medical care. Hurricane Nicole is a Category 2 storm now with 100-mile-an-hour winds. Nicole is expected over Bermuda on Thursday and then to head further out into the Atlantic. You're listening to NPR News from Washington. Officials in Tokyo are trying to find out what caused a power outage that turned the lights off temporarily in as many as 350,000 homes and office buildings. Some trains came to a stop and some government offices in the Japanese capital lost power as well. After days of steep losses, the British pound finally rebounded this morning, edging up to a dollar twenty-two. As NPR's Frank Langfitt reports from London, Prime Minister Theresa May helped to halt the currency's nosedives by agreeing to let Parliament debate Brexit. After keeping her Brexit plans mostly a secret, May has agreed for a full debate over the UK's decision to leave the European Union. May's move comes after the pound plunged last week, following a speech in which the Prime Minister suggested Britain was heading for a sharp split with the EU. Global currency markets responded to May's speech by effectively punishing the pound. Economists expect the UK economy to become less productive outside the massive EU market. The pound's drop, it hit bottom Monday at about a buck twenty, was a reminder of just how risky and tricky Brexit will be for the UK and its economy. Frank Langford, NPR News, London. Toyota is recalling about 340,000 Priuses because of a defect in their parking brakes and reports of injuries and deaths in crashes involving the popular hybrid cars. About 94,000 of the recalled cars are in North America. Samsung Electronics, just days after halting the manufacture of the Galaxy Note 7 smartphone, is now sending fire-resistant packages to owners of the phone so they can send the devices back. I'm Jim Kane, NPR News in Washington. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include Stitch Fix, a personal style service for men and women tailored to fit a customer's taste, budget, and lifestyle. Clothing is hand-selected by a personal stylist and delivered to the customer's door at stitchfix.com. I'm Terry Gross. Listen to Fresh Air weekdays at 3 on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Southern Remedy with Dr. Rick DeShazo on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to southernremedy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Hey, welcome back to Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo, professor of medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And we don't have a special topic today. The special topic actually is your topic, whatever you want to talk about. We're uh, ready to do that. So if you've got a medical question that has been unanswered, I'll be happy to do my very best to answer it. We're at one eight seven seven MPB ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. The program is live on Wednesdays, and it is embalmed on Sunday at six a.m. 
So if you want to hear us again, or if you're just waking up at 6 a.m., have a cup of coffee and listen in. This is Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio, all things considered. Man, uh, th- this news on, uh, and we are, by the way, our lines are open, and I'll also be happy to answer an email if you want to send that in at Southern Remedy at mpbonline.org. So I was, uh, I was very interested. Yesterday in clinic, I had a patient who uh, has all kinds of reasons to get the flu vaccine, and every year I argue with him about whether or not he wants to get his flu vaccine. And uh, you know what? I just gave up this year. I said, I guess you're not going to take your flu vaccine that you really need this year, right? And he said, right. So I gave up. That is the first time I've ever given up. And then I came up on this Cochrane Review. There is this thing called the Cochrane Database of Systematic Reviews in Medicine. And they review the everything that's in the medical literature on a topic. And so they've just come out with a review uh, about uh, influenza vaccines for preventing cardiovascular disease. Now, all of us doctors have, from time to time, noticed a connection between any kind of inflammation, like rheumatoid arthritis or lupus, or infections and uh, and cardiovascular events like heart attacks and strokes and the like. And they actually looked at this with this huge study with statistical, all kinds of statistical stuff. And they found out some amazing things that were not always obvious. And that was that cardiovascular mortality was significantly reduced in individuals who had had the flu vaccine. And not only that, that it was, uh, it took very few uh, patients being immunized to make a, a big difference. In fact, uh, it was less than 30 patients had to be immunized in order to see this effect, which is just about amazing, just about amazing. And that women benefited more than men in this trial. That is the risk reduction uh, with the flu vaccine for cardiovascular events in women was even greater than that in men. It was about um, uh, 40% uh, improvement in in uh, men and 130 or so percent in women. So uh, those of you who are sort of teetering on the brink about getting this va- vaccine is probably a good idea to get it because there are all kinds of reasons. Used to, folks, use, by the way, give us a call. If you're riding in the car, pull over. We'd love to talk to you. If you're at home listening to us on the radio, love to talk to you. If you're at a place where you uh, can't get on the phone and want to send us an email, we'd love to hear it. It's whatever you want to talk about on Southern Remedy today. I'm Dr. Rick, and it's medicine, pediatrics, whatever uh, adults, old people, whatever you want to talk about, I'd love to hear from you at one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. So the confusion about the flu vaccine, uh, I, I went to have mine uh, about three weeks ago, and the pharmacist asked, well, which one do you want? And I said, well, the best one. And he said, well, I can't tell you which one is best. We got a lot of them. 
So I went and I did my homework. There is a trivalent flu vaccine, which has three types of flu in it that have been killed. And uh, so they don't, uh, they're not a problem for people who have Im- immunosuppression. And then they have a quadrivalent, which has an additional flu virus uh, in it killed. And uh, th- then they have a-, a high dose. There's two of them, two high dose uh, vaccines that are trivalent for uh, seniors. And this year they have a new flu vaccine that has no egg protein in it. Now, most of the people who get the flu vaccine, uh, uh, who, who, who think they have uh, egg allergy, uh, don't have it. So there are ways to test with one of the existing vaccines. But if you've been using egg allergy as an excuse not to take your flu vaccine, it doesn't exist anymore because there's an egg-free vaccine called FluBlock. F-L-U-B-L-O-K for adults that have that think they have egg allergy, and you can get that. So my recommendation is, A, if you have a choice between the trivalent and the quadrivalent, take the quadrivalent. You get more bang for the buck. Uh, if you're over uh, 50 and have uh, a lot of, especially if you're over 65, and if you have a significant medical conditions, you may want to take the high dose, but then you give up the fourth vaccine, the fourth flu species. So uh, I chose, even though I'm over 50, to get uh, the regular quadrivalent um, and, uh, because I didn't want to risk having a local reaction to the, uh, the, the senior vaccine. There are a few more local reactions, bumps at the site, but otherwise there's really not a lot of problems with this. Rarely there's this thing called Guillain-Barre uh, that you can get, and uh, uh, we can talk about that if you want it, but it is an extremely rare side effect. Some people get little lumps and bumps and find, uh, and, and there's ways, tricks to deal with that. All you have to do is put a little 1% hydrocortisone ointment over the counter, and that'll take care of it. So uh, we got some callers, and we would like to, you to be a caller. We're at one eight seven seven MPB ring. You don't have to talk about flu. You can talk about whatever you want to talk about, and we'll try to give you some guidelines uh, as to how to deal with it. So it's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four one eight seven seven MPB ring. And I'm Dr. Rick at your service. So let's go to Sarah on the road. Hey, Sarah. Hello. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm passing through Hattiesburg. A good place. It's a great place. Have some I'm good restaurants. To, I'm on my way to Muscle Shoals, Alabama. It's a good place, too. Yeah, let me tell you, that's the music capital of the South now, isn't it? It is, and I went to school with all those guys. I'm proud for them. Is that right? Well, I it's it's probably people in Mississippi are clueless about North Alabama. It's some of the most beautiful um, uh, places in the whole country up there around Muscle Shoals with the, with the National Forest up there and Little River Canyon and all that kind of stuff. So I, I, uh, that's all, River, yeah. And the Tennessee River. I live on it. So you're lucky tucky. I know. I'm the luckiest person I've ever known. What's going on but with your elbow? <laughs> well, 
Well, my husband is having a problem. He, he's the unlucky one. He bumped his elbow, and it it's filled with fluid. Mm-hmm. And it would self-drain, and it would just refill. So he went to an orthopedist, and the orthopedist gave him a, a steroid shot. Well, that didn't help it. It helped it for a few days. We don't know where to go or what kind of advice. So when I was driving through and I heard this, I thought, I'm going to call and see. Why not? Why not? Well, you got a, uh, a, they revoked my uh, Alabama citizenship and I had to come to Mississippi. So I'll uh, still, well, I'll, st- you, I'll still, I'll still, yeah, I'll still, I'll still help an Alabamian. We get a lot of, lot of calls from the Fairhope area. And so we're just glad to have your call. Anyway, he has a Lecranon, O-L-E-C-R-A-N-O-N, bursitis. Uh, there is a bursa in the elbow that uh, bursa are sort of like Ziploc bags and they have fluid in them and they help uh, grease the joints. And that particular one is uh, frequently a problem, especially if you had trauma to the elbow. And the first thing that we always want to do when somebody has it all of a sudden is to get an x-ray to make sure it hasn't been fractured because that can trigger it. And I'm sure that was done. If not, it needs to be done. Secondly, uh, uh, sometimes this can be a manifestation of gout and gout is a condition where you have too much uric acid in your blood. And, uh, so he needs a uric acid determination because, uh, that has to be treated usually when they aspirate the fluid out of there, but his is draining itself. So he didn't aspirate it, they will do an analysis for gout crystals, which are called uric acid crystals. So that's the second thing. And uh, the third thing is we always give a steroid shot. Sometimes we will give two. And if that doesn't work, unfortunately, you have to have that surgically fixed by an orthopedist. They basically just cut the bursa out and sew everything up. So uh, I, I think what I would do, Miss Sarah, is is make sure that he's had an X-ray, make sure that they've checked his uric acid gout test, and um, and go back to the orthopod. He's done exactly what he should do with putting a shot in there, and uh, then see what he thinks would be the best thing to do next. Sometimes they'll actually get an MRI to look at that. But uh, this is not an unusual problem, and it usually is not associated with anything bad. Now, if you want some more information about that, I'll be happy to send you some information uh, if you'll send me an email at southernremedy at mpbonline.org and some pictures of that particular joint. And I hope that helped, and have great fun up there on the Tennessee River. Thank you for your call. Let's go to Columbus and Julie. Hey, Julie. Julie, you're on. Hey, what's happening? Well, I got a little question about that flu shot you were talking about. Well, I appreciate it. Okay. Um, I've been charting my blood sugar in the mornings and in the evenings, and I had a flu shot yesterday, and my blood sugar last evening was jumped way up, and this morning it's still way up. Did that have anything to do with it? Yes. It's unusual. It's unusual, but it does occur. Okay. And uh, some people, are you having any any uh, tenderness or pain at the site of the flu shot? Uh, very little, but just very little. Yeah, well, it's it's unusual, but it does occur. And if you any, as you know, even when you have a cold, 
your uh, sugar will pop up sometimes. Yeah. Um, and uh, the the big thing that we're concerned when that happens is that you don't have something else going on, and you'll figure that out. If it doesn't come right on down in the next 24, 48 hours, and there's something like a urinary tract infection. As you know, women who have uh, uh, diabetes um, frequently don't uh, feel the urinary tract infections like women who don't have diabetes. They don't get the symptoms uh, as commonly, and that's one of the most common causes for sugar just to pop up all of a sudden if it stays up, you know that. You have to have that checked out and make sure you don't yeah. have a urinary tract infection and so forth. But, yeah, I think that's a flu vaccine, and okay. it, it's unusual. It doesn't mean that you're weird. It just, just is unusual. <laughs> okay. Great well, to talk to you. you. Bye-bye. Uh, listen, we've got an open line now, and we'd love to have your call. We're at one eight seven seven mpb ring and one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Let's go to Georgia and Larry. Hey, Larry. Dr. Rick, good morning. Uh, question on the flu shot. So uh, I'm 68 years young, and if I hear you for a man of my age, I should get the, the quad shot, correct? That would be my recommendation, or you have two choices. You get the quadrivalent, or you can get the senior high dose called, oh. there are two of them. F-L-U-A-D, Fluad, or Fluzone, F-L-U-Z-O-N-E. And uh, that's those are both covered by Medicare Part B, just like the other ones are. The difference between the these um, high-dose flu shots and the low-dose flu shots is the, these are trivalent. They're, they have three uh, particular species of flu virus, kill flu virus in them, but they're much higher doses. And the studies show that if you're over 65 and you get these, you make more antibody to the to the flu. But there are no studies showing that you have any less frequent side effect, uh, less frequent uh, infections from just getting the plain shot or that you have any less complications. Those are being done. But there's no proof that they work any better than the other ones, but everybody's recommending them. The problem is is that there's a higher incidence of injection at the site, those bumps that are sore and, and the like. So if you've never had up any reactions to the flu vac- vaccine, um, you know, it's, it's a good idea to consider it. Uh, if you've had local reactions, then I would not take the high dose. I would take the low dose, and I wouldn't take the trivalent. I take the quadrivalent, and that is incredibly confusing, isn't it? No, it's not. No, I understand that, Doc. I wonder now, as far as you know, do most providers have a trivalent, you know, uh, strain in stock? I mean, is it is it common to find? Is it hard to find right now? What's yeah. your experience? That. Thank you for that uh, that question too. Most doctors order one type, uh, and they usually get the cheapest one. And yeah. so they'll have the trivalent, most of them, and uh, not the quadrivalent. But if you go to a drugstore to get okay. them, they usually have all of them. And if they don't, you need to tell not the pharmacy tech who will tell you we can't do it. You need the pharmac- You need to tell the pharmacist that you want the one that whatever they don't have. So if you want a quadrivalent and you go in the pharmacy and they don't have it, you say, would you please order me one? And if the tech says we can't do that, ask to speak to the pharmacist and they will get it. They have to. That's part of their um, 
part of who they are. They they always will help you for that. Same Thank way with much. the high dose. Doctor, Doctor, thank you so much. Thanks for your call. I hope that was helpful. It was. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. So we've been to Georgia, and now we're going to Meridian. Hey, Eddie. Eddie, you're on. Hey there. We appreciate your call. We love Meridian. Thank you. I've got a, I just had a check, chest X-ray a little while ago, well, a couple weeks ago. Said I got mild pulmonary edema. Just wondering about uh, treatment. Is that a serious? Now I am short of breath. Mm-hmm. If I can treat it to get my breath back, that'd be great. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, mild pulmonary edema. I know that's fluid in my lungs somewhere. Is that a serious mild? Or can you tell me? Okay. And have you had a heart attack before? I've had heart surgery. That was back in 2002. Quadruple bypass years ago, and uh-huh. things haven't gone well since then. Overweight and uh, and uh, that's that's part of it, and uh, arteriosclerosis, I guess you might say. Right, right. Okay, um, the pulmonary edema is a condition that is associated with uh, increased death over time uh, in people who have it than those who don't if it is not managed well. And so to directly answer your question, it is a serious problem. Uh-huh. And what it means is that your heart is not the the big side of your heart, the left side, uh, the most common kind, is that your heart is not pumping strong enough. Uh-huh. And we see this in people who've had heart attacks. And the question, and we see it in people who've, uh, who have um, alcohol problems, any kind of toxic type exposures, but most commonly is from ischemic heart disease, the kind with uh, atherosclerosis. So, so it is heart-related. Sir? So it is heart-related. Yes, and it needs to be tended to, uh, and it needs to be tended to well. Uh, most general cardiologists um, uh, are very good at managing this. We have some brand-new drugs uh, for this condition that are incredible, uh, and so... Uh, the usual treatment uh, for this problem is, of course, get an echo and find out what your ejection fraction is, and okay. and that helps guide. Ejection fraction means what percentage of the blood the ventricle, the big heart chamber, is pumping out per beat. Uh, so that needs to be done. Uh, you also need to m- make sure that your heart rhythm is sinus rhythm, that's regular rhythm, because some people with heart ischemic heart disease will get atrial fibrillation, which is an irregular heartbeat, and that will cause pulmonary edema. You also need to make sure you haven't had another heart attack. Uh, and when those things are sorted out, then the usual course is to go on an ACE inhibitor, which is uh, something like Losartan. Uh, to I'm go- actually... Uh- I'm actually on that. Uh, right. Another name it though. Right, and most people that have had heart attacks are put on that to prevent the problem. In your case, it didn't, but at least it probably limited it. Yeah. Uh, secondly, uh, you may need to be on a beta blocker as well. Of course, you need to be on aspirin, and if your ejection fraction is low enough. You need to be on an anticoagulant. Now, let me tell you something that we are very fortunate to have. We have at uh, the University of Mississippi Medical Center the only uh, heart failure transplant program in the state. 
and they have three board-certified heart failure specialists that do nothing but take care of people with heart failure, and they know all these new drugs. So I would go to your cardiologist, uh-huh. and I would immediately uh, and get put on the right medicine for this and ask him or her if you need to see the heart failure specialist at UMC for just a consultation. Uh, you may not be. I don't know your whole story, but that would be the place to start. But this has to be fixed today because yeah. if you got a big salt load right now, you would get acutely ill. So so get on the phone and get this sorted out. Does uh, Lasix have anything to do? And yeah. That- Lasix is a diuretic, helps pee off some of that uh, fluid you've, you're not handling well. Okay. But there are other things to, to be done as well. All right. Well, thank you. All right. Well, thank you for your call. And if you want more information, uh, just send me an email. I've got I can send you a truckload of patient information on heart failure. All right, we've got open lines now, and we'd love to take your call. We're at one eight seven seven MPB ring. This is Southern Remedy Open Mic. I'm Doctor Rick, and I will do what I can to help you with whatever questions are on your mind. Let's go to Hamilton, Alabama, and let me tell you what I know about Hamilton, Chris. Yes, sir. Y'all make cars, right? Oh, uh, no. I thought that's where the Honda, the Acura was put together in Hamilton. No, that's over in Lincoln. Lincoln is close to Talladega. It's in the middle middle part of the state, like going toward Atlanta. Well, more disinformation from me. What do you do in Hamilton? I've heard of that before. Well, I'm kind of semi-retired. I've worked in the food service business uh-huh. for a while, but uh, I cooked catfish at a local grocery store in Hackleburg. You know, Hackleburg was blown away in the storm in 2011. Most of the town was. Yes, I, I remember that. They built a new, uh, some, some investors from Nashville built a new grocery store. It's real nice. And they've got a full restaurant in there. And the uh, I was in catfish restaurant business for about eight years and uh-huh. got out of it. And they built a full restaurant inside the grocery store. And the store manager is a friend of mine at the high school at Hackleburg. That's where I graduated. In. Uh-huh. And uh, so I talked to him last February about serving catfish in, in, in the store in the restaurant. He said, "Great." So we serve it on Thursday and Friday night because people are not going to eat it every night. You know, we, yeah. we do we do real good up there. And I bet you know every single citizen in the whole area because everybody yeah, likes I catfish. I, I do, and then so. <laughs> Okay. Well, what's on your mind? Hey, Rick, uh, Dr. Rick, I yeah. wanted to tell, tell you, uh, I was telling your, your your screener there, the program, it was a week or so, a couple of weeks ago, about that they aired on Alabama Public Television. Mm-hmm. On your program, uh, Mississippi Public Broadcasting did it about the breast cancer in women. She, she called me the name of the show. Uh, right. But th- that was such a great show. I mean, it was just like, I mean, I was glued to the TV set, you know. Well, thank you uh, so much. And you know why that was such a good show? It wasn't because of what we did. It was because of the amazing people, uh, in particular the beautician who, who was willing to give her story. I just, uh, it was just fantastic, you know, and I want, I'd like to get, I'm hopefully, I, maybe I can get a copy of that because my wife didn't get sick, but she had breast cancer in 2001, and I really want her to sit. Well, we put all of those online at uh, southernremedy.org, and it's also at the mpbonline.org site. They're all archived there, and you can actually download them and, and show them. You can steal them and sh- share them or whatever you want to do. We'd love yeah. for you to share that. I'll do that because I want my wife and my daughter to look at it. Yeah. Well, thank you I, so I much. One more question. You know, did you get calmed down after your uh, tense moment there behind uh, behind the microphone? I never get calmed down. 
Hey, I, I thought that was a good part of the program. Well, I, <laughs> I, I'm an I'm an MPB junkie, and uh, you know, and then I like television, and uh, y'all do a great job. Well, cook that catfish, man. That's uh, I think that's the best vitamin you can take sometimes. Hey, good to talk to you. On, they wrote the book on catfish. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. We're going to take a very brief uh, break, and we're going to Walthall, Starkville, and and Rusty, who's driving on the road, and to you. If you give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring, one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about bumps, lumps, or whatever. Let's talk about it. Give us a call. Support for MPB comes from the Pediatric and Congenital Heart Center of Alabama at Children's of Alabama, a cardiovascular care center for children in Birmingham, Alabama. More at childrensal.org heart. Resilient coffee growers are on the front lines of the effects of climate change. I'm being led over a desiccated, dry coffee field. The leaves are curled up in rust-colored piles, and the plants themselves are completely denuded. I'm Audie Cornish, Coffee and the Climate, later on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. You're listening to Southern Remedy with Dr. Rick DeShazo on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to southernremedy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. All right, welcome back to Southern Remedy, and we're going to try to get to your call as rapidly as we can. We're at one eight seven seven MPB ring. I'm Dr. Rick. I'm a, a pediatrician and an internal medicine specialist, uh, and so I got you covered. If you want to give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring, let's go to John and Walthall. Hey, John. John, I'm sorry Hello. about your dad. Hello, John. Um, yeah, so, Dr. Rick. I'm sorry about your dad. Uh, it's no big, well, it is, but we've gotten pretty much. He's in uh, hospice, right? Yeah. Yeah. We've gotten to the point where we've accepted it. Yeah. Um, my question is, he's had, he had triple bypass about three, maybe, well, several years back. Um, he has fluid built up on his on his heart and lungs mm-hmm. he's on he's on hospice mm-hmm. he weighs a whopping 110 yeah um and yet hospice is trying desperately to convince him to have a flu shot mm-hmm. he's he's on self-imposed home restrictions he barely goes anywhere mm-hmm. and with all 
the side effects of flu, all the potential side effects of flu shots, is it worth it? Well, I'll just tell you, I'm a geriatrician, too. I, I take care of people at both ends of the spectrum. So my answer would be forget it. Uh, I don't know why they're pushing that on him. You need to make sure there's not some kind of federal regulation that he has to have it in order to get his hospice coverage. I don't think there is. I don't okay. think that's a problem. Just make sure that is he on Medicaid or uh, Medicare or what? Oh, wonderful. Uh, so, so I don't think there's there's any way they can make him do it. I, I wouldn't do anything to him that could potentially make him worse. Uh, and a flu shot, uh, I mean, having the flu when you're in hospice may be a good way to sign out. Um, so I hate to say that, but uh, he obviously has a limited life expectancy. Well, he's already, they, they gave him six months, and this is the seventh month. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's a stubborn one. Well, my mother was on hospice. I think she broke the state record in Mississippi. She was on and off for nine years. And, well, uh, so, I mean. well, it wasn't good. It was terrible for her. She was ready to go, and and we kept her going. Uh, so, so That's I, good I, and bad. Yeah, it is. So I would not have, personally, as a geriatrician, I would not have any problem with you not wanting to give him a shot. And um, you can just tell him Dr. Rick said he doesn't have to have a shot. And they can call me. How's that? <laughs> That's a good answer. All right. Good well, to talk to you. I'm the logical one of the family, so I'm the one who asks questions and gets answers. Yeah, I have two sisters, and they get all emotional about that. I understand. I'm not like that. I want to know what the options are, what the side effects are, and what, you know, I'm like that. So, thank you. Bless you for that. I don't think it would do him any harm, but there's no no reason whatsoever taking a chance under these circumstances, in my limited uh, opinion. So, thank you for your call. All right, let's go to Lee in Starkville. And I understand, Lee, you got some kind of call, uh, uh, question about Lyme disease, right? Well, um, no. No? I guess it's related to Lyme disease. How is that? Oh, well, I don't care. I was diagnosed with Lyme disease uh, a year ago in February. Yes, ma'am. So it's been over a year. I've been taking antibiotics. Mm-hmm. Every three months they change. And... Uh, in May, uh, he decided that, that he thought the Lyme disease was under control, that there was something else going on, and so he took me off the antibiotics. Well, when he did, my feet started swelling. My uh, hurt the bottoms of my feet. I mean, it hurts to walk. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the fatigue and, and every all the other things are still there. Mm-hmm. So now he, he thinks that the that the lines has settled in my feet. How's that? And um, well, let, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Is it? Are you seeing a rheumatologist, or who are you seeing for this problem? Your family doctor, or what? He's just, no, he's a general practitioner, but he specializes in lines. Uh huh. Well, it's time for you to get a second opinion because that doesn't make any sense. Um, well, I've been to the general doctor. Uh huh. Well, if you're having if you're having pain in your feet and your ankles and they're swelling, well, just the all joints. I mean, the yeah. arthritis. I I don't have rheumatoid arthritis, but I do have arthritis. Uh huh. But it it's like every joint in my body 
first. Well, my recommendation is that you get a second opinion from a rheumatologist, an arthritis specialist. We, I'm also a rheumatologist. Unfortunately, I was in the military so long that I took every training program I could get. So I'll I'll speak to that one, too. Um, We see a lot of people with purported Lyme disease. Did you have actually a tick bite and a big target lesion at the side of your bite? It was on the top of my head. Uh huh. I don't, I don't know about the target. But you did have a tick on your head. I did have a tick. Yeah. yeah. So there are a whole bunch of other diseases uh, caused by tick bites, other than Lyme disease. There's a possibility that that's a problem. There's a possibility that you have another underlying condition, and it's coincidental. Um, uh, did he put you back on a tetracycline? Uh, got cycling. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Same stuff. Okay, did you get better when you got back on it? Uh, no. Okay. No. Well, then there's uh, some, there's I, something else going on, and I would ask him or her to refer you to a rheumatologist. It's very hard to get in to see rheumatologists in Mississippi because we don't have many, and it, yeah. it you get in much quicker if your doctor picks up the phone or has his nurse pick up the phone and calls the rheumatologist and say, I need a consultation, because that way the rheumatologist will know he will not have to do the long-term care on the patient because they're so busy. And you'll get a... I had had seen the rheumatologist before I saw the Lyme doctor. uh Uh-huh. Because now the regular test that that my regular doctor gave me, it came back negative. But Uh now... The rheumatologist, I mean, the uh, Lyme doctor sent off a, uh, a test to California, mm-hmm. and uh, and he came back negative too. But he said he was sure it was Lyme, and so he well, said, you, you don't make a diagnosis of Lyme disease or rheumato- rheumatoid arthritis by lab test. It's a clinical diagnosis supported by laboratory right. data. So right. my recommendation again is you need to get back to your rheumatologist and let him take another look at him. You have a relationship with one because you've been seen and get a second opinion as to what's going on. And that is the best way to fix your problem. Okay? Okay. All right. Thanks for your call. Good to hear from you. You know, when you you see a doctor for a problem, frequently what happens is they make a diagnosis based on the information at hand and recommend a treatment, and it doesn't work. That is good information for that doctor to use to help you if it doesn't work. But if you don't go back to that doctor to give him a second chance, you, you wasted your money. So don't just give up after one visit. Keep going. And then if the doctor doesn't fix it after two or three visits, say, I want another opinion and get him to refer you to somebody's who's even better than he is so that that'd be my recommendation all right let's go to rusty hey rusty how are you doing rusty Good morning. your time your time Hello. on southern remedy what's what's going on well uh, my sister uh, we have high cholesterol in our family and uh, my sister just went and had a calcium CT scan. Yes. And she's encouraging that me to have one and my father. Of course, I'm 60 and my father's 90. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'm just wondering uh, what you think about that. Okay. Let's just talk about risk stratification for heart disease. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, there are multiple risk factors for heart disease. The biggest one, of course, is smoking, a family history. Obviously, your dad's 90 years old. That's a pretty good non-prognostic. Yeah, no heart problem. Yeah, right. Uh, smoking, obesity, diabetes, high blood pressure. Um, uh, those are the, the biggies. And elevated LDL cholesterol is another one. Mm-hmm. So uh, before people get calcium scans, what? So if you have a positive scan, what do you do with it? Well, I I had one when we got a new machine at UMC, and uh, when we were trying to standardize the machine, and I've got a plaque in one of my coronary arteries. So what do you do about it? Well, you don't do anything different than if you hadn't had it. You do the same kinds of cardiac prevention. Uh, things that you do you know your numbers you know what your blood pressure is you know what your blood sugar is you know what your ldl bad cholesterol is and if it's out of whack you fix it and you don't smoke uh and you try to get a little bit of exercise at least 20 minutes a day and that is the best thing that you can do so we don't do anything other than the stuff you should have done already uh, when you get a calcium, what uh, one of those scans, what those scans are helpful for is in people who have chest pain and we can't figure out whether it's cardiac or not. A lot mm-hmm. of times somebody comes in, and women in particular don't have typical chest pain like men do. Men usually have pressure going down their arm, uh, relieved by, uh, triggered by exercise, relieved by rest. Uh, have a family history. Women don't have any of that. The women get dizzy, faint, uh, get shorter breath, have stomach problems. Uh, it's it's much more difficult to diagnose in women because of the wiring is different. So in a woman uh, who we can't figure out what's going on, we will get a scan, and if they have a lot of calcium in their coronaries, that that makes us think this may be coronary, and we may want to go ahead and do a cardiac cath. But in men... Uh, and what are you going to do? If you've got a lot of calcium in there, what are you going to do? Well, it, you're going to make sure your cholesterol is within the normal uh, range, and you all do that anyway. Right. Get, get my point? I got it. Yeah, well, the, the, her argument was that if it was zero, we came back with no plaque, then we would both be able to uh, stop taking statins. Uh, and so, uh, that would be an absolutely ridiculous suggestion. Well, she, she said her doctor suggested. No, that. he well, that. he they got. I think that's bull. I don't I, think I, her doctor said that. But let me just tell you, these statins are probably the most powerful and helpful drug so far as prevention of chronic disease ever they've ever come up with. The more we study these drugs, the more we find that they do that we don't even don't even know about. I mean, there's some data that they may be helpful with Alzheimer's. I'm not sure about that, but certainly all-cause mortality, that means if you look at everybody who dies, is lower in people on statins than those who aren't. So they do a lot of things other than just lower your, uh, your uh, LDL, your bad cholesterol, and give you a little bump on, on the top. So if you, if you have an LDL that's high, I don't care what your calcium scan shows, you need to be on a statin. And uh, that's from a doctor who's had a lot of experience. So, Rusty, that's, you, you know, take your choice. That's my advice, okay? And we really appreciate your call. So let's, uh, let's go to James, uh, who has a rash. Hey, James. You have an LDL that's high. I don't care what your calcium scan shows. See, they played that back again, James. 
Can you turn your radio down a little bit? Because uh, I got uh, over overwrought, and I want to talk about your rash. Okay, we really appreciate it. Hey, James, are you still there? Let's, uh, let's go to... We're going to come back to James uh, when he turns his radio down. And by the way, we want to take your call. We're at one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, and we have open line. It's whatever you want to talk about. You're going to get an answer. You may not like it, but it's going to be the best one I can give you. So give me a call, and we'll we'll talk about it. We want to go back to James now, Charles. Hey, Charles, what's happening? Charles, are you there? Uh, yes, I am. What's going on? Hello. Yes, I. Um... This is Rick. Rick, I had uh, Guillain-Barre syndrome in 1978, and uh, a neurologist uh, took care of me, Mm -hmm. and um, he said that I should never, ever, under any circumstances, the rest of my entire life, um, get any sort of immunization. Now, I I had had uh, a flu shot two weeks earlier, Mm -hmm. and I was in uh, the military at the time. Swine flu shot. Yeah, that's right. And um, I had the same thing you got. I got Guillain-Barre from a swine flu shot myself. Well, it was a horrible experience. Uh, it's a nightmare. They, uh, yep. Luckily, they put me on prednisone um, after several days, and that saved my life, I think. Um, but uh, I was just wondering what the current uh, thinking is regarding uh, prior um, Guillain-Barre and, um, and the current advisability of um, okay so let me tell you my story charles i was at walter reed and one of my jobs there as an immunologist uh when they came out with that vaccine was to convince everybody else to take it because there had been some early trials and people were having problems with it but the command staff wanted to the was insistent that everybody take it so I did a talk in front of everybody at Walter Reed and publicly took the swine flu vaccine and uh, got Guillain-Barre just like you did, which is a, a very serious condition, neurological condition. So I my name was Mud for the next two years up there. Unfortunately, I was the only one that got it, but it didn't look good with the guy who's selling it uh, getting the, the complication. If you've had that particular very rare complication which is a neurologic disease where you lose a muscle, your ability to to move in starting at your feet and moving upward, uh, you should not be immunized with any flu vaccine. Now, the, the reason for that is we definitely know there's a connection between Guillain-Barre and flu vaccines. Now, I will tell you, you've heard me talk about taking the flu vaccine. My risk profile is in favor of, of taking it, but I'm an immunologist, and I would tell you, not knowing your details, uh, and that you had such a severe uh, attack, that I would not take it. And uh, whether that's true for all vaccines, we don't know. For instance, the pneumonia shot is totally different from the flu vaccine. But I, the recommendation is that you just not take any vaccines if the risk is too big. Is that what you needed to know? Yes, it is. I uh, have not really had any immunization since '78, and I've been actually uh, quite healthy. And uh, and it was in my medical record that I was not supposed to take any immunizations. Uh, and uh, so, uh, were you I, Army or what? What, what were uh, you? 
Air Force. Air Force. All right. Well, thank you for your service. Well, thank you, sir, and I do appreciate your, your guidance. Good to talk to you. You're listening to Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Rick, and we're going through your questions as fast as we can. Let's let's go back to James. Hey, James. Uh, are you Army or what? what, what were James, you? you still got your radio on. Turn your Hello? radio off. Hello? Hey, what's going on? James, this is Dr. Rick. Can we take your call? Yes, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, rash on both of my feet. On both sides of my privacy. And I'm in the head. Okay, you're breaking up, but let me, I think I understand what's going on. You have a rash on your feet and your testicles. And the most common cause of that is fungus. And uh, and uh, especially this time of year when people have been sweating a lot uh, in their socks and underwear are not adequate to take up that moisture, uh, they will get uh, fungus on their testes and on their feet. Now, I will tell you there's some other rashes that involve those two areas there that are associated with arthritic conditions. So if you're having arthritis, inflammation, hot, swollen, painful uh, joints, it's a different thing totally. Uh, I would suggest that since you have been to a, uh, gotten some advice uh, once, you need to go back to that provider, whether it be a doctor or nurse practitioner or whoever, and ask them to scrape that skin and send it to the laboratory because you can actually see the fungi in there with a stain. Uh, and then you may need to get on oral antifungals. We don't like to use those a lot because they have liver problems. But uh, in your case, when you got them everywhere, it may be necessary to do that first before you use topical antifungals. And you definitely need an anti, a prescription antifungal uh, as well. So I, I think your problem is complicated enough. You ought to see a health professional to deal with it, James. And I hope that's helpful. If not, send me an email at southernremedy at mpbonline.org, and I promise I'll get back to you. You're listening to Southern Remedy on, on, uh, Su- Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo, professor of medicine pediatrics at UMC, trying to do the best I can to answer your calls. And thank you for them. Remember that your question, probably a thousand other people have, and by sharing it with us, you get information out to lots of folks. So thank all of you who are stepping up to ask your questions. It helps other folks. Let's go to uh, William and Jackson. Hey, what's going on? How you doing, Dr. DeChase? I'm doing better because you called. Oh, thank you. Um, I actually have a very simple question. Um, I have a 17-year-old daughter who was diagnosed a couple of years ago with POTS. Yeah. Are, are you familiar, are you familiar yes. with it? Yes, okay. quite familiar. Am I, yeah, um, and she has a couple of doctors and been on various uh, medications and stuff and was doing pretty good. She had a pretty bad episode uh, about a month ago that lasted two weeks. I mean, was pretty much um, just couldn't do anything, was in bed for two weeks. But my question is, if you know, uh, any, she's down in Covington, Louisiana, and her, her physicians are there. But I was wondering if you knew of any physicians in the Jackson area that kind of specialize in POTS treatments. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, let me just make sure we're talking about the same thing. You're talking about postural 
orthostatic hypotension syndrome. That's what POTS stands for. Is that what we're talking about? Postural orthostatic hypotension syndrome, P-O-T-T-S. Not, not the hypotension syndrome, no. So what um, symptoms is she having? What's that? What symptoms is she having? Um, well, the, the fainting spells, um, up on standing uh, too quickly, mm-hmm. um, uh, body aches, pains. Um, Has uh, she had a tilt test? Has she had a tilt test? Oh, yes, yes, yeah. And she, she had a positive tilt test. Uh huh. Yes. Okay. Well, but it's uh, it's, it's, it's um, let's see, uh, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. Orthostatic hypotension with tachycardia. Right. So uh, the yes, there are several people uh, that are in our state who are very interested and informative informed about this. There is uh, since you're in Jackson. Uh, Dr. Skelton, Tom Skelton at UMC, is an expert in this area, and he works very closely with two cardiac electrophysiologists. Uh, Dr. Borganelli down in Hattiesburg is another doctor who is very, very good at this, and there may be more out there. If you're a doctor listening, I didn't mention your name. Please don't shoot out my tires. Um, And so those are people I know that would be able to give you an expert second opinion. Is that helpful? Well, thank you very much, Dr. DeShazer. All right. And if if you didn't get that, just send me an email, and I'll just write it out and give you their numbers, okay? All right. Good to talk to you. We're going to Biloxi and your house. If you give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring got an email here that's sort of urgent and want to answer. Going to Africa in January, and the CDC recommends taking a yellow fever shot uh, for that area, and I'm going to visit it seems a lot of people get side effects from this. What can you tell me about this vaccine? Uh, here's what I'll tell you about that vaccine. A lot of people get side effects from that shot. But they're mostly local uh, bumps and lumps that you can take care of with a topical steroid. Now, if you're really worried about this, there is a travel clinic at UMC, a travel clinic at UMC that uh, goes gets everybody ready for their travel, and they deal with people who have questions about this and have more expertise that uh, I uh, do. But clearly, I'm, I'm looking at the CDC recommendations. Uh, it is important if you're going to be in an area for a long period. This is a live attenuated virus. That means it's not a dead virus, and that's probably why most of these local reactions occur and i hope that's helpful if you need more information send me an email it's been great visiting with you we always look forward to it and we plan to be back again next week same time same place right here uh on mpb think radio uh southern remedy is a production of mississippi public broadcasting and our faithful producer is jay white it's funded in part by a grant from the university of mississippi medical center and by support from the Foundation for Public Broadcasting. Catch a replay of today's show on Sunday at 6 a.m. and join us again next week at 11. NPR's Here Now is next.
This forecast is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Live healthy. Live blue.